In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. As many of you know, this year at St. Michael, we are emphasizing learning the Bible. Over these last few weeks, we have begun a year-long process of going through the entire Bible in our Sunday school classes. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me how excited they are to finally get the knowledge about the Bible that they've sort of always wanted. They've just never really been confident enough to go to a Bible study and get it. And so I hope you all are taking advantage of the offerings that we have. And to go with that, we are dovetailing a six-week sermon series that looks at the entire Bible from a macro lens. This is week three of the six-week series. We started with where the Bible came from, and then we did the Old Testament last year, last week, last year, last week. And today we are doing the whole New Testament in this one sermon. Now stay tuned. Why is that funny? So stay tuned because we've still got things like violence in the Bible, the science of the Bible, and then how it really applies, like best practices of the Bible. And so this is going to be a very good series. So today, the New Testament. The New Testament, put simply, is the story of Jesus and the way that people responded to Jesus, the good and the bad. Now, the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. It fulfills the promises made in the Old Testament. It completes the work that God was doing in the world. Now, the structure of the New Testament can really be broken out into four different parts. The first part is the obvious part, the Gospels, the stories about Jesus himself. Second part is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the way in which the people who really knew Jesus responded and began to spread that work. Then the third section are letters, letters that those apostles wrote to churches around the known world, around the Mediterranean and beyond, about how to actually do church, how to do Christianity. And then lastly, the fourth part is revelation, the way that God is really perceived to be working in the world through this fantastic story. So let's start at the beginning. The New Testament begins by speaking into the silence of the world. Now, the Old Testament ends with a promise. The Old Testament started with creation, these epic stories. It went through history and kingdoms, and it ended with prophets promising salvation. That promise was made, and then for more than 400 years, God seemed to be silent. And into that silence, a voice cried out in the wilderness, make way for God. God, in the person of Jesus, Jesus born in the manger, born into the world, was God being back, and back in a big way. Now, those gospel stories reminds us of who God is and what God really wants in the world. When Jesus appears and begins to teach and preach and heal, he makes a stir and gathers people to him, and yet, as we have done over and over, we, humanity, turned away from God, except this time we murdered his son, actually killed Jesus, God incarnate, by hanging him on a cross. And it is that death that at the time seemed so tragic, so final, 
that actually becomes the way in which we reconnect completely with God. It is Jesus' sacrifice that is the bridge between this world and the eternal world of God. Jesus becomes for us the way that we reconnect completely with God. In essence, as we have seen in the Old Testament and we will continue to see in our lessons, God recreates and recreates. And with the person of Jesus and the story of the Gospels, we see a recreation, a new promise made with all of us that nothing that we do can ever get in the way of our relationship with God, of our complete connection to God because of what Jesus did. Now, the story of Jesus is a love story, but it's a true love story. That means that, like with any true love, we have a choice. We learn that God loves us, loves us so much that he would sacrifice everything to show us. And now the choice is ours. How do we love God back? You know, it's sort of like walking into a really good restaurant, being very hungry, and seeing a really good meal, smelling the good smells. All of that is great. I love that good smell. But until you actually eat the food, you don't get the nourishment. You are not full from what you know. Knowing about Jesus is not quite enough. Making the choice to actually commit a life to Christ is what we are called to do. The knowledge of Christ helps change our lives, helps transform the way we live, and it is in that transformation that we actually begin to find the truth of God. Now, this amazing idea of commitment and transformation is actually not new. We see in the Old Testament that there are many moments when God puts people through a transformative experience. Think about the Israelites coming out of Egypt and going through the wilderness before they get to the promised land. Very similarly, we are offered the opportunity of Christ. If we know that it is true, then we're offered the choice to change the way we live day by day so that we follow, actually become disciples of Jesus. Now, beyond the Gospels, we see acts of the apostles. See, there were people who walked with Jesus who knew him and whose lives were changed because of what he did. And the Acts of the Apostles tells the story of what they did in that next generation, how they spread this knowledge, how they actually built churches. And then, hand in hand with Acts of the Apostles, we see a bunch of letters. These letters, many written by Paul, many letters written by others, are meant to answer questions about a particular church community in a particular place and time. And that kind of context is important for us to understand. Very often, we hear those letters interpreted as total, complete, eternal truths. But in reality, what was happening is that churches were trying to figure out what following Jesus means. And as they tried to work this out, they had questions. They had questions about who could lead, who could be a part of this, what they had to do in order to actually follow Jesus. And so letters were written by these apostles over the years to try and help guide them in their particular place around that particular question. There are truths that we can glean from those letters. 
but it's also incumbent upon us to interpret the context around those letters so that we today can ask similar kinds of questions as we wrestle with who we are to be and how we are to live, we can also be inspired by the way the apostles taught all of those early church communities in that first century. So that's the first three parts. The last part of the New Testament is in the book of Revelation. Revelation can be intimidating. If any of you have ever tried to read it, or perhaps heard it read in church, you know that it is fantastic. The scope is huge and cosmic, and it seems often a bit scary. Revelation is about the work of God's transformative power in the world now. Revelation was never meant to be some prediction about the future, but a way of understanding how God is working in the world to transform the world into the kingdom right now. This is an important concept because for many, and albeit entertaining ways, we have been taught that Revelation predicts something scary in the future. But instead, we are living in the transformation right now. We, as we choose to follow Christ, are part of the transformative act of God in the world, bringing about God's kingdom right now. We're not waiting around for God to do something for us. We are called to actually be God's hands and feet in the world right now, and we are working toward that transformation. See, that period of transformation is happening now. Any one of us can be a part of God's transformative power in the world. Any one of us, with the hope of Christ, can see the light in the darkness. No, we can be the light in the darkness. You see, any one of us can recall any number of ways in which our world is failing, is broken. And we come here to receive and renew our hope in what it is we can do to help to change the world for the better. And we do not do this alone. The New Testament promises us that God, through Christ, and with the power of the Holy Spirit walks with us. So when we want to make a change in the world, we do not have to do that alone. When we want to be hopeful and love and kind and affect the world in a positive way, we do not do that work alone. We do that work with God and with one another. The power of the New Testament empowers each one of us to be the change we want to see. Our call is not finished. Our work is not done. The story of the New Testament is how God continues right now to recreate the world through each one of us. We are called to be God's transformation. And so let's not let the world get in the way of the work we are called to do. Amen.